Welcome into the His and Hers podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside my sister Paige. And today we discuss more NFL news. All the latest news from storylines from preseason football, running back signings, there's been a couple of them. We also then dive into the worst NFL fan bases as we approach closer and closer to NFL kickoff just three weeks from Thursday when the Kansas City Chiefs hopes the Detroit Lions. That's all next year on the Disney Fresh All right, there's a lot that happened in week one. Week one of preseason officially over. It started with the Thursday night games and then continued all the way through Sunday. We got our first looks at a lot of rookies. We also got a look at some players in some different places. I'll start with you. First, I guess, initial takeaway from the first weekend of football. I mean, the thing that we love about preseason is you just get to see some like fun plays. You get to feel like football's back and you get to see some like rookies and, you know, players who are just trying to like get a starting spot. I think that's the funnest thing about preseason games is you're just seeing people who are just trying to like do the best they can to secure their spot on a team. And so um, just a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun, different plays. I think Nathan Rourke's play is probably the best play that came out of uh, week one, obviously uh, a Jacksonville Jaguars. He's QB and just eliminate like, like there's so many times you think he's about to get sacked like three different times and he still ends up get, getting this dart that ends up being a touchdown. So probably one of the coolest plays of the whole weekend. I got to say, did you get a new camera or something? No, I just cleaned my laptop. I, it, <laughs> you look so illustrious. It kind of. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's uh, I thought I thought you were streaming in 4K. Didn't know if there was a new camera setup <laughs> you had brought in. That was just kind of caught me off guard. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. It's uh, bad podcasting uh, since you can't see her. But if you go any of the YouTube clips, uh, there she is just glowing. Uh. Really, though, it was a good week. You know, like like you said, one of the best parts about it is it's particularly, you know, it's impossible to stay really up to date with every single fringe guy or every guy on rosters who may or may not make it. But when you have a team like the Vikings and, and you know, that I follow very closely and you, you hear about a bunch of these names of guys uh, that are new to the squad that are contending for roster spots and then you can kind of see uh, then competing for it in, in the game and, and how the coaches are using the preseason tape, not to get the first team offense or first team defense really going, but getting some of the guys who, you know, like Ed Ingram for the Vikings plays right guard, started all 17 games for him last year, uh, struggled in certain areas of game, including, you know, pressures and, and losing some quick inside moves to defensive tackles. And so they're using the preseason. He was the only starter that played uh, to either one of two things, get his confidence up there or see if they need to bring in somebody else. And so you have a combination of that plus the, you know, the fringe rookies who have an opportunity to make an impact and make an NFL roster and kind of seeing that all play out in live football is always just such a fun setting. Indeed. I feel like what is there any specific players or plays that stuck out to you from this weekend? 
Well, when players, uh, I'm not sure if you watched much of that Raider 49er game, but it was on Sunday, so it was you know my best opportunity to watch uh, actual football outside of making time for it on Thursday with the Vikings. But he absolutely lit up the 49ers. Uh, he's out of Purdue. He was taken in the fourth round of this last draft. He went 15 for 18, 141 yards, a touchdown on 19 dropbacks, and had a couple really big throws. One of the biggest things is it's standing in the pocket, big, tall guy, and was able to deliver over the top on, on some longer developing routes. And so he looked extremely comfortable and not a guy that I thought I would even be mentioning. But I have a good friend who's a massive Raiders fan. He's been on the podcast before, Rob. And he's been beating down the door on how good this Aiden O'Connell kid is. And the first preseason was a pretty good indicator of uh, they might have a quarterback on the roster that could work out, uh, you know, for the future for him. I think. Um, oh, so go ahead. I was going to say, what do you, was there anything or any player that stuck out to you? Um, well, I just introduced Zach to a new player. Uh, he had not heard about this news. Tank Dell with the Houston Texans, a third round um, wide receiver. And he was really the standout, I think, from the Texans offense um, this past weekend against the Patriots. And I think the thing that's so fun about him is that I feel like they're obviously you have your like major receivers in the league who are at the very top of their game and have kind of the middle ground where they can be really incredible playmakers. And I just think that uh, Tank Dell is going to be one of those guys that ends up being Tank? a major uh, addition to the Texans offense, just because, I mean, coming in at 5'10", 165 pounds, like he's on the smaller end, but I think that he can become a consistent threat with just like how small the catch radius he has, how quick he is. And so excited to kind of see, like, I, I'm hoping that the preseason was just a glimpse of what we're going to get um, with a receiver like Tank Dell on the Texans offense. Yeah. You know, the opinion of Tank Dell. Like you said, I hadn't really ever heard of him. Uh, what I will say is there's so many, you know, third, fourth round wide receivers, running backs that pop and, uh, you know, wouldn't be surprising if he ends up being one of those guys who just ends up, you know, taking it to, you know, being a guy for him as they try to rebuild that franchise. I wanted to kind of propose a question to you. We had two of the, you know, premier names when it comes to the NFL particularly in the running back market, Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott both signed, uh, you know, were free agents up until yesterday. They both ended up signing on the same day. Ezekiel Elliott, $6 million deal to go with the Patriots. And then Dalvin Cook ends up signing with the New York Jets, $8.6 million. I believe it was $7 million guaranteed with $1.6 uh, in potential earnings. Who is going to have the bigger impact on their team. Is it Dalvin Cook or is it Ezekiel Elliott? With this one, I'm actually going to go ahead and say Ezekiel Elliott, as much as like a Dalvin Cook fan I am and have been over the years, and I hope he'll be successful there. I just think that uh, there's a lot of hype around the New York Jets right now. They have a lot of weapons that they brought in. And I think that there's more room for Ezekiel Elliott to have an impact on the offense in a significant way than Dalvin Cook has the ability to do with the Jets, just because the Jets are kind of set up for success right now. And so I'm just thinking that like with Bill Belichick at the head and you're kind of coming into this 
offense that could use a lot of help um, from a running back position, I think you're going to see Dalvin Cook be very, very explosive. Yeah, no, I, I can see. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott. Be explosive. I was about to say, you kind of put me in a pretzel there. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that no matter where you slice it, they, I think the Jets maybe felt that they're the bigger need uh, because of Brees Hall, uh, who had a tremendous beginning of the year, ended up uh, tearing his ACL. And so in the early part of the season, which we have discussed at length and will, as we get closer and do our preview podcast of the divisions, that they don't know if he's maybe going to be 100%. And uh, they wanted to shore up and make sure that they had enough weapons uh, to compete with the beginning part of the schedule. Because as we've discussed, if you start one and three, oh and three, uh two, you know, two and four, the season's really hard to get back in front of you and get on the side of winning and to the playoffs. And so what Dalvin Cook brings you, and you know, maybe this is at the request of Aaron Rodgers. He'd spent the last number of years in Green Bay and not being able to get the players that he wants. And so maybe he put in a heavy request. Uh, hey, I really, really would appreciate it. I ate 35 million. I gave that away so that we could go get guys. I really want you to go get this guy. Um, and there's a lot of smoke and a lot of stuff swirling about Dalvin Cook. I've always wanted to go team over there in Rodgers in New York, you know, bigger market uh, than, you know, Minnesota, but also have an opportunity that he fills to play with one of the best quarterbacks of all time and potentially compete for a Super Bowl. So uh, maybe self, you know, self-selection there. As there was rumors the Vikings had a $6 million, $7 million offer on the table, and this one just came a little bit north of that. Uh, but I do think that Dalvin Cook will have a bigger impact. I just don't know what Zeke really brings to the table now more than just short yardage and um, you know leadership. Because Ramon J. Stevenson for the Patriots is one hell of a running back. And it, the, if you start taking away carries from him that are more meaningful – I think you're doing yourself a disservice. So I'm not 100% sold on Zeke really being much more than a red zone, kind of running back, short yardage, goal line type of situation. He's a great pass pro uh, guy. But yeah, I think Dalvin Cook will be the guy uh, in New York for at least the beginning part of the season. And then we'll see how uh, Bryce Hall, Brees Hall heals up and is ready to go uh, as they move into the middle part of the year. Yeah, I think it goes to like with um, New England Patriots. What is your take? Do you think that we're having, do you think that there is a controversy between Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones? Do you think Mac Jones is the for sure starter? Because I think both of those quarterbacks require a different type of offense. And so it kind of feels like that like that team is building around a run game, really fo- central focus this year. And so I'm interested to see where we go that way. Yeah, I think. If you, the way I would view it is that if you're the Patriots and you start, if you start Bailey Zappi to begin the year, you're pretty much punting on what Mac Jones is for you as a quarterback. It's kind of where the 49ers have moved with Trey Lance, which will, you know, break down to being one of the worst trades of all time. But if you're the Patriots and you punt on Mac Jones and make, and make Bailey Zappi a quarterback, you're just basically admitting it's over. It, you know, he's not your quarterback. Uh, Zappi's the guy moving forward. I think 
to be safe, I think they're going to start Mac Jones. They're going to see if he can make improvements uh, and see if he can progress from where he was at. And then if things don't go well, then they can punt and give it to Bailey Zappi uh, and see if he can spark them if they're you know off to a rough start. So I have a very, very hard time believing that they're not going to run out Mac Jones just because of what they invested in, in him already and what he did his rookie year. It'd be shocking for them to roll out uh, Bailey Zappi and expect Mac Jones to be okay, um, you know, being a second string quarterback. Yeah, it's going kind of bouncing back to the Jets conversation around uh, the offense there. It's obviously, I think, uh, my hatred for Aaron Rodgers because I've been a like, we're extreme Vikings fans. Aaron Rodgers has been an enemy in the division for a long time. But it's interesting. I've been reading Bill Belichick's like the biography written about him. And it's been so kind of cool to a lot of the stories I knew, but kind of hearing them in like chronological order, of like what Bill's life looked like have been so interesting. And I think one of the biggest things that I was thinking about in that book is how Bill Belichick had obviously a head coach of the Cleveland Browns and wasn't the most liked there, had a lot of ups and downs, obviously made some decisions that kind of pissed off the entire fan base, and he was not a liked man when he left. Um, And then he goes to, he ends up getting the job in New England because Bob Kraft likes him. Um, But it's interesting because when he wanted to make that move to Tom Brady, uh, Bledsoe was obviously the starting quarterback. The Patriots fans loved Bledsoe. Um, and Bledsoe had that pretty horrific injury where he, it was like light, almost life-threatening. And so Tom Brady kind of, that was Bill's chance to kind of put Tom Brady in to like let them prove. Um, but in thinking about that, it was just interesting to see how Bill had changed his approach when he got to New England because of the mistakes that he made while at the Browns. And in thinking about it with Aaron Rodgers, I kind of feel like Aaron Rodgers is having that moment where... I mean, we all want to talk about how like the Packers might have done him wrong and like things like that. They weren't willing to give him weapons and everything like that. But it's just curious to me. I can't wait till 15 years down the road when we might have more information about what that looked like and what Aaron Rodgers might have like did wrong with his relationships at the Packers and kind of how it feels like at the Jets, he's trying to start off at a different pace. He's trying to have different styles of relationships. He's acting like a different quarterback. And he's bringing in these weapons that I think are going to be impactful. And so that is one cool thing. As much as I dislike Aaron Rodgers, it is kind of cool to see a more grown-up version of him. It feels like we're getting with the New York Jets. Yeah, you know, and that kind of goes into the first episode of of Hard Knocks. But that's a lot of what kind of it was. I mean, the first 20 minutes, I think, of the episode, we're just talking about how great Aaron Rodgers is and what he's done for the organization in terms of bringing a maturity and bringing a winning kind of vibe, whatever the term you want to use for it. It really was kind of like a 20 minute Aaron Rodgers info, like Marshall type thing. Uh, and I've never really been the biggest fan of him, but obviously I hate the Packers as you'll come to find out here in a little bit. But I think ultimately what's really impressive about what he's doing is, is how much he seems to care uh, about, mentoring some of those young guys whether it's you know zach wilson going through different things we've talked about that but also his relationships with like soft garden you know a guy who is you know 20 years you know minus a few off that but 17 years younger than him but going out doing things with him making sure that he knows he believes in him and uh, and they seem to have a great relationship so 
I wanted to ask you, kind of moving off that topic, I wanted to ask you about uh, how ridiculous people, how how ridiculous are people for hyping up what Justin Fields did in this first preseason game? I mean, it's funny. Obviously, like, whatever. I'm always for a fan base. I'm never going to, like, crash a fan base for getting pumped about their quarterbacks and things like that. I think the more exciting thing is the DJ Moore catch. It's kind of like what the the Bears fans have been waiting for. But it is always funny to see people, like, it's like acting like this was Justin Fields' first time on, like, on an NFL field. And, like, we had a whole season with him. Like, it's like we have data to, like, show us who Justin Fields is. And, like, is there hope for him? Yes. Like, is there potential? Yes, but let's not act like he's like this new and renowned. Like this is well, the next Patrick. Listen, Mahomes. he threw two. He threw two screen passes. One of them, if you look at the one that DJ Moore caught and ran in for a touchdown, sixty-two yards. It was that was all DJ him. Moore. Well, it, it was, was all DJ him. Moore on. That. He couldn't. He didn't even throw a screen pass <laughs> accurately. Okay, they're just I, that they got him a receiver who can go back and scoop those up and then run sixty-two yards. <laughs> I just didn't understand it. They're like, oh, three for three. What a start. What a day for Justin Fields. And it's like context truly does matter because, <laughs> yeah, you load up that box. Or you're like, holy cow, maybe Justin Fields is a sleeper, you know, for the MVP. And there's been more bets placed on Justin Fields to win MVP than any other play in the NFL. And so the hype train is really building for him. It's really building for the Lions and the Bears in that division. And I just, you know, will it happen? Maybe. But nothing that I saw in that first game proved to me that that the chances are high. He threw two screen passes that both were house calls. That it, that has, says more to do about the player catching the ball than it has to do with the quarterback, especially if you can't even hit him in the chest. Go look <laughs> at that play. DJ Moore had to go back and mm-hmm. get it. it. It made no sense to me why that was what people are choosing to hype up. It was so stupid. So dumb. Didn't know you you're as passionate about that as I am that my biggest issue with uh, Hard Knocks episode one was we didn't get near enough O-line. It was too much of a Rogers love fest. We got like 20 seconds of O-line. Hilarious. Like, give me more of that content. That's what oh, I well, O-line, O-line, uh, no matter what team you go on, they're a bunch of, they're a bunch of, nut, like, the, the craziest bunch of dudes are <laughs> offensive linemen and linebackers. Like, you'll get your biggest cast of characters through. Because you can have a lineman like Trent Williams, like a left tackle who's just like probably one of the swaggiest dudes that you have on your team. Like Swagger's just unreal because he's just a freak athlete that happened to be 6'5", you know, 350 pounds that can move. Uh, and then you have just like your workhorse, just big, just big, strong dude who, you know, rocks a mullet and, you know, doesn't have any swagger, rolls up to the game and no sleeves, ankle socks. and Big clown feet cleats. I'm telling you, biggest cast of characters. What a picture. What a picture. Um, And that second guy was white, in case you couldn't, you know, (laughs) picture it with enough swag. So I wanted to uh, get your opinion on that play that Nathan O'Rourke had, backup quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is that a sign that the Cowboys are doomed because of how poorly they tackled on that play? I just, you know, got to bring it up. Oh yeah, the Cowboys, man. I just feel like they're they're a team that'll always uh it's interesting too because I mean obviously cool play by Nathan Rourke, but yeah, to your point, it's like uh what do we need to say when our D line can't get a second string quarterback down? Yeah. 
Yeah, and on a serious question, what did you make of Anthony Richardson already being named the starter, beating out Gardner Minshew, as it was named uh, announced by head coach Steichen for the Indianapolis Colts today? I mean, I love it for the organization. Um, I think that as an organization that obviously has had a lot of issues at QB for a long time, especially the last like six years, bringing in a new QB every single season, these veterans that ended up not flushing out well, like it's at a point where it's like, why not just start fresh? Why not just go all in on the rookie QB that you want to build your team around? There's a lot of excitement about Anthony Richardson, a lot of things in Anthony Richardson that it's like, yeah, this kid could be potentially great. But there's also a lot of things that we got to clean up in the way that he scrambles, the way that he protects the ball, because I think that there are some issues that could um, turn into a bad situation for Anthony Richardson from a stat perspective um, in the NFL that he was able to get away with in college. But I think like an organization that doesn't have a ton to offer and is looking to like build, I think that, yeah, just put, put your rookie out on the field. We know who Gardner Minshew is. We know what he has to offer. We know what he's going to do. And so it's like just you can start your rookie, bring Gardner in if it gets bad and you need some assistance there. But, I mean, I li- I always like the idea of starting a rookie QB when you don't have a quarterback that you 100% can trust in that's a veteran. Yeah, and I think if you're a head coach, you, you really just have to jump to it. You have to see if the guy that you got is uh, is the guy um, because, the, you know, the NFL – just isn't really patient anymore. And really you want to see what you have. Cause if you need to move off it quickly to get another guy, you can do it faster than if you sit him, you know, give him two or three games. It's just better just to get him in there, have him have growing pains, but by see if by the end of the year, if there's been progress, because typically you can see pretty quickly yeah. what you have. So you've only got 17 guaranteed games and that they go by quick. So it's like, you got to flush out who your guys are and Facts. All right. Is there any other uh, um, NFL preseason thoughts before we move into uh, either ranking or draft? I couldn't quite understand what you were trying to accomplish there. So we're ranking fan bases. It's very so it's, simple. So we're it's doing, not a draft. Well, it is. It's like a draft. We're doing a draft because we're going back and forth. But it's ranking NFL fan bases, the top ten worst NFL fan bases. Number 10 is going to be the best of the worst, so the least disliked. And number one is going to be the most disliked of all fan bases. So, like, I'm taking 10 and you're taking 10? Yep, we're both doing 10, just like we do every other time. Well, no, we've done five the last couple times. Okay, but we're doing 10 this time. Okay, so we can't say say just like we did every other time when this is literally the first time we've done it. Okay. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm meaning, I'm meaning like we did every other time where you choose one, then I choose one. Okay. You choose one, then okay, I choose one. Okay, but is one. it a draft where if you take it, if you take a team, I can't take that team then? No, no, no. No, don't do that. So, we'll rank So then it's not like anything we've done before. <laughs> it's literally not even the same. Why are you making this so difficult? Well, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to pinpoint <laughs> what you're saying because you keep saying it's just like we've done. <laughs> but the two major components of it aren't like anything we've ever done. <laughs> hey, we're start we're just starting fresh. This is a new one. We're putting Anthony Richardson in and QB. Okay, we gotta stop saying like we've done because it's <laughs> not. I'm done. I won't also, say that again. Also, the amount of of uh, of I want to say your little Debbie thing was almost as bad as the dog thing from the feedback I got. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. 
people, people are crazy. No, there's a reason why Crumble has a cosmic brownie cookie that they still do. Okay, <laughs> that's very beloved. You you really aren't in touch with what people like. I'm just gonna say, there's becoming certain, disliked. I'm hoping I'm hoping I can redeem myself, but this one we're literally going after fan bases, so probably just gonna dig myself in a deeper hole. Yeah, I just I just had to point that out that vehemently people disagreed. I heard well, from a number of people. They need to travel more and eat better sweets. Yeah, that doesn't help at all. But <laughs> that was actually that was worse that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Take it back. Uh, I, erase that from the pod. That was wild. Okay, are you gonna go first? Yeah, I'm going first this week. So number ten, so like the the bottom ten. Bottom the the best of the worst. Okay. I'm going, I'm taking New York Giants um, because this is the thing. New York Giants fans, it's not so much that I think they're extremely annoying like to other fan bases, but I think that they are one of the fan bases that were like turned on their own team so quickly. Like I just feel like they're the first ones that will like boo their team the moment they're not doing exactly what they want. And so I just kind of put them in that realm of like, you know, Giants fans, not my favorite. I think the fan base is not as supportive of the team as they could be. Okay. Mine's the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I think this has happened more recently because of the success. And so anytime, you know, people hate people who are happy and uh, really don't have much problems outside of that. Other than now, they they just are spoiled brats uh, who have Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback for the foreseeable future. So. That annoys me. Okay. Coming in at number nine for me, Los Angeles Chargers. And my beef with them is simply that they don't have a fan base. So how can (laughs) it be a good one? I went to, I went to the Chargers Vikings game in 2021 and there was more Vikings fans at SoFi stadium than there were Chargers fans. And it was just mind boggling to me. I'm like, I don't, I I, I know like maybe one Chargers fan and that fan base is just not there. I don't know where they get their money from because there does not seem to be a lot of support. I like that one. Uh, mine is the Chicago Bears. They are the NFL's oldest team or one of the oldest teams. And if it wasn't for one season in 1985 where they had the best defense of all time, they would be quite literally one of the worst NFL franchises in the history of the NFL in the Super Bowl era. And that's important to distinguish because I'll tell you about the time they beat the Canton Bulldogs and won the NFL championship, much like a fan base coming up, we'll say the same, intense green. But they, they, they really aren't very good. They're like a major market, like Cleveland Browns team. And... I just think they suck. They haven't had a quarterback. They're the only franchise in the NFL that hasn't had a quarterback throw over 4,000 yards. And some of these franchises, like the Houston Texans, have only been around for like 20 years. So that should tell you how bad the Chicago Bears have actually been. Well, that just feels more like bad luck for them. No, 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 no. They suck. Coming in, coming to number eight for me, the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh. Um. I feel like there are so many. You say number three? Number uh, number eight. Okay. I said number eight. No, you said three. Okay. I meant eight. <laughs> it's like, skip, just like we've done. Skipped ahead. Just like we've done before. 
<laughs> no, okay. So coming in, I just feel like there's so many Raiders fans and I feel like they can be so, so aggressive. And oh, yeah. I just find it so frustrating and annoying. I'm like, just get out of my face. You, you like haven't done anything for the last little face. bit and I'm just over it. Okay. That's fair. Um, number eight for me, the 49ers. I work with a lot of 49er fans and uh, it sucks. That's it. That's all. That's it. That's, that's it. That's number eight. Just get bullies at work. Yep. Number seven for me is the New England Patriots fan base. That's fair. Um, I think it's mostly just because, obviously, with the success that they've had, they are like the older sibling that thinks they're smarter than everyone else. And it's just like so annoying where it's just like they're just so used to success that they do not handle failure well because like the last 20 years just really made them forget how bad of an organization they were before Tom Brady. And so it just makes it easy for them to just kind of be annoying. Yeah, it's true. I'm going to go with the New York Giants for much of the same thing that you listed. So the New York Giants, I said. The same reasons I listed about the New York Giants? Correct. Perfect. But I have I higher to clear up. that up. Yes. Sweet. Uh, number six coming in to me is Seattle Seahawks and their 12th man. Um, a lot of Seahawks fans growing up in Idaho. I feel like it's common to be like around Seattle Seahawks fans. And I don't know. I just don't like the fan base. And that's all I really have to say. Fair enough. This is number six. Yep. Uh, mine's going to be number six is New Orleans Saints. Ah. Uh, the Saints are a team who were terrible for a very, very long time. They get Sean Payton. They become good, win the Super Bowl, and then hung around, whether in contention or just on the fringe. You know, had the last couple of years of Drew Brees. Uh, but now we're going to enter into this very weird part when now the coach is gone, quarterback's long gone, and what are we going to do now? There's a Derek Carr era. But their fans are terrible. They ruined one of the Vikings' chances with Bounty Gate. Their coach literally got suspended for it, but they'll tell you that the NFL is out to get them, even though they cheated. So I can't stand the Saints fans. And the Vikings and Saints have a wonderful history. So that's my number six. Coming in at number five for me is the Dallas Cowboys, a.k.a. sometimes referred to as America's team. And I just find it funny that they're like the team that so many people support and act like they're going to win the Super Bowl every single year. And yet every single year since 1995, they haven't made it past the divisional round of the playoffs. Fair. And that fan base is just, everything is always the ref's fault. It's always someone else's fault. There's always an excuse for everything. And no, you're not America's team anymore, Dallas. It's just, it's not the move. My number five is the Denver Broncos. Maybe this is more because of where I grow grown up. There's a lot of Broncos fans, but some of them are the most annoying people I ever met. And a couple of them are really nice people that I love. But that's there's really no one in between. And they cut my buddy. Yeah. So screw those guys. Yep. Beautiful stadium though. Can't wait to be there this year. Coming in at number four for me is the good old Pittsburgh Steelers fan base. 
Um, I think anybody who's anybody has had beef with a Steelers fan in their <laughs> lifetime. Anybody's <laughs> that's quite the way to lay that out. Anybody <laughs> who is a fan of football has had an altercation with a Pittsburgh Steelers fan at one point. And also, I just really don't like their colors, and they're always wearing the jerseys, obviously, of that team, and I don't love it. So There you go. Are we at number four here? Mine, four? Number four. M- mine's going to be the Jets. Uh, and this is kind of even before this year with Aaron Rodgers and stuff. They just are kind of covered, you know, being a New York market team. Talked about a ton, and they suck, and they have sucked. Again. Similar t- Similar to the Cowboys. Well, similar Cowboys. I mean, at least it's been there was decades, you know, decades of dominance. The 49ers, I mean, the Jets won Super Bowl three and haven't done anything since. And I still hear about them. So <laughs> yeah, the Jets suck. That all? That's it. Okay. Coming in at number three for me. Is the Green Bay Packers fan base. Biggest annoyance with the Green Bay Packers fan base is that it does not matter what game, what NFL game you are at in America on any given Sunday in the fall, there is some fan wearing their Packers jersey at random games across America that the Packers are not playing. They're everywhere. They're a nuisance. They truly, aside, like, it's like, Aaron Rodgers obviously gets quote goaded as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And like, I'm not going to take that away from him. He is a very impressive player, but it's like he won one Super Bowl in 17 years. And they act like he, it was like the Packers have been this like dominant force forever, but it's like, it's a team that would make it to the playoffs and then choke. And then they would lose, then they wouldn't make it to the playoffs the next year. And then they'd go back to the playoffs and they choke. So I don't see the difference between them and the Vikings over the past 17 years, aside from that one Super Bowl, which is a major difference, but we will get there one day. <laughs> yeah, the Packers are a franchise that had, you know, approximately 40 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play and have two Super Bowls. So really, who is the bigger loser? Yeah, so, we've been doing that with subpar quarterbacks. That's it. Number and th- no Super Bowls. Are we on the third? Three? Third. Third, do you have memory loss? You keep forgetting. I just always want to check. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles are my third. I hate them. Well, yeah, it's the fan base. Do you hate the fan base or you hate the team? Which one? I both. They're intertwined in my head. These people suck, and I'll never forget the the thirty eight to seven game. I'll never forget them throwing um snowballs at Santa, even though I wasn't even alive, but. <laughs> Lives in my head rent free. I yeah, I will never forget that horrific day. So, yeah, I hate them. Number three. Number two for me is a team that you mentioned earlier. We've had actually a very surprisingly different list. Uh, San true. Francisco 49ers are coming in at number two for me. Uh, I just think this is an organization that's very similar to me to the Patriots, where they can be very haughty toddy of like acting like they're <laughs> like haughty toddy in terms of it's like I feel like there's some organizations in the NFL where it's like they've had success and therefore they look down on the West, uh, the rest of the teams. And I feel like the 49ers are that team in the West where sure. it's like they just act like they're always better than everyone else. And I just don't love that. That whole vibe. Don't love that vibe. My number two, the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
there she is. Yeah, I mean, they are. It's because of the altercations, huh? Yeah, I mean, they really are some of the best, you know, the best franchise in the NFL. Consistency, consistently being really, really good. Stability and ownership stability with head coaches. Like, I understand why they are the way they are, but also you don't have to be so annoying. So they annoy me. Solid facts. These all seem to be very much based on uh, emotion and not reason, but we're going with it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's my list. <laughs> well, same. Yeah, I, I didn't go polling. I just, <laughs> I said, who annoys me? Who, who in my who life? Who annoys me the most? Who in my life has bothered me? <laughs> so. Coming in at number one for me, in my opinion, the wait, worst. Wait, 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 I take it back. I take it back. You forgot about, I knew you forgot about an organization. I, I forgot about two of them. Uh, this was yeah. going to be the Dallas Cowboys. I removed the Pittsburgh Steelers entirely from the list. Oh, okay. The the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> For the same reason. I mean, reason? <laughs> they, they won a lot back in the day, but I've, you know, since I've been alive, the Cowboys have sucked. So same thing, the same things you listed, but they're my number two. Hate them. Okay. Well, Sorry. Pittsburgh Steelers, you got a little bit of a bruising, but you got a pass, and you're no longer in Zach's top ten. Way to yeah. go. Yeah, there you go. We went, <laughs> we went from number two to out of it completely. <laughs> Not even ranked. Wow. Okay, number one worst team, in my opinion, worst fan base in the NFL, goes to the one and only Philadelphia Eagles. Wow. This fan base, I have had more like rude things said to me from Philadelphia's fans that I have had from any other person in the entire NFL. They are so like aggressive and mean. People don't like being at the link for a variety of reasons. Oh, the link. Especially because, I mean, it is likely that the Vikings will lose there, which might be playing into this. But I just feel like the fan base is aggressive, rude, Half of them don't even know football that well, but they'll just get in your face about anything. And um, yeah, I just, bad, bad situation over there in Philadelphia. Too aggressive. Bad juju. I am going to end it with the Green Bay Packers. F them, F their fans. They can all go to hell. (laughs) That's it. I I literally, I hope they (gasps) never win another game. I hate them so much. Oh, I hate them. It's so deep. It's deep in my heart how much I hate the Packers. My Sunday is almost just as good as, as the Vikings win is when the Packers lose. That's that's how much hate and discontent I have. I hope that city burns. So. <laughs> They're just so stupid. They They pretend like they have ownership in that team. And it's just a piece of paper. It's not actually a stock option. It pisses me off. <laughs> and so then when the franchise needs to do a fundraiser to build a new part of the stadium, they just do this selling of the team where people could have a piece of paper in their house that I could make on Photoshop and everyone would believe that I have the same ownership. And it, it's all fake. It's all fake. No, I hate Zach, they're all good. They're all going to get wealthy because of that one. Day. I hate them. I hate them so, so much. And this has been an episode of His and Her's Podcast. That's it. If you're a Green Bay Packer <laughs> fan. We just lost you as a viewer. Go to hell. (laughs) Jordan Love.
Thank you. Uh, any other thoughts? Oh, you said Jordan Love, and one of my friends played with him at uh, Utah State. That's my last thought. Just learned that this week. Let's have your friends send in hate mail from us. <laughs> okay. Put that on this to-do list. Yeah, there you go. All thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of this podcast. I'm Zach Bennett, alongside my sister Paige. Until next week, have a good one.